Hello, and welcome to the Magic for Realists podcast. This is the 33rd dose, and it's called Over My Dead Body. An example of dream interpretation. I, well, first off, I should introduce myself, although this would be a strange one to start with. But anyways, if you haven't listened before, my name is Lindsay Celeste, and I make this podcast about every week because I'm passionate about teasing out the wonder, mystery, poetry of kind of human regular, well, I'm not sure who's regular, but uh, human existence and sharing some of my findings with you in hopes that they bring some magic, as I like to call it, into your real world. And I'm making this particular episode because I have something to say about dreams and because I was camping with my boyfriend this weekend and in that lovely way that happens in extended times in the wilderness, we get to having some longer conversations that maybe get squished out in um, fast-paced life. And so we got to talking more about dreams and I'd shared a dream with him I think I'd shared before, but we were talking about kind of how we make sense of dreams. And when I shared this story again, at the end, he said, I think that would make a good podcast. So thanks for the inspiration on that one. And yeah, so I'm going to share it with you. And my intention is to give you an example of how I've worked with a dream in a way that was very helpful to my own healing and internal process and that by just hearing this example you will maybe feel some more possibilities about how to work with your dreams so uh, let's back up a little bit as you may know either from knowing me in person or from hints along the way in these podcasts. About two years ago, I went through a significant uh, life transition, shall we say, of leaving um, a land project and a home and a partnership that I'd been involved with for four years, let's say. And uh, it was jarring, hard, sad, angry making. (laughs) And it's taken a long time of process that is not entirely complete, but it's definitely not as painful anymore uh, to grieve those losses and transition out of that. And yeah, so last winter, I, yeah, uh, let's just say, so one of the themes in all that is that quite a bit had to die quite a bit of maybe even me uh, and you know physically where I lived some of the stuff I lived with the people I lived with and what I cared about um, was was dying or had died or (laughs) continues to die or continues to transform and last winter I don't remember exactly when but I had this remarkable dream about encountering my own dead body. 
So in the dream, I was still, you know, existing and I had a body of sorts. And, and yet I also saw my own dead body in a hammock out behind my tiny house. And upon seeing my own dead body, I knew for sure it was me, but I also knew that I still existed. And the, there was this feeling of just kind of, uh, like maybe acceptance, like this is the way it is. That's my dead body. I'm still here. Okay, here we go. What are we going to do with it? And in the dream, I knew that I had three options. (laughs) I could either bury the body, which I felt like might give some problems to my neighbor in the long run, because it's not like it's a designated cemetery in my backyard. Or I could leave the body for the birds, kind of a sky burial type situation, and eventually it would get assimilated. Or I could eat it. And this wasn't a disturbing notion. It was just a kind of a a fact of what I could do with it. And in the dream, I didn't know which of the three options to do. And I knew that I would just have to wait. And I knew that by waiting, some of my options got eliminated. Like there was sort of a, a time period about when, maybe for example, when the flesh would be okay to eat. Sorry if this is a bit graphic. Uh, but I was at peace with this just waiting. I was like, well, I'll just wait and then I will know what to do with this body. And I woke up, my sense was like, whew. That was a big one. Do you wake up sometimes from dreams and you're like, that one, that one mattered. That one was significant. And I know that you're supposed to, quote unquote, write your dreams down if you want to remember them. And I, I do think that if you want to train yourself to remember dreams, writing them down is a great way to, to work on that skill. In my case, I... I almost wish I remembered dreams less. (laughs) Like, for most of my life, most of the nights, I remember more than one dream. And I think this is a, like, unusually high dream retention. And sometimes I won't remember all the details or I'll wake up and then they'll, they'll disappear. But sometimes it feels like I'd like to have a night where I don't get up to anything else. So I don't write down my dreams much. (laughs) Um, sometimes I voice record them if I I found that's easier to do in the groggy state when I remember the most. But I've also learned that the ones that are really important, I don't seem to forget. They just, like this one, I tried to find the record of it and I couldn't, I, I mean, not easily, but I remember it still because I woke up with this like, whoo, that one's, that one's like... I get shivers still when I think about it. And one of the parts that was really beautiful and profound to me was the image of the hammock because it felt like a cocoon. Like it felt like this very literal imagery of my dead body being in a cocoon and therefore the possibility of transforming and rebirthing into something new. And I often consider dreams to be kind of like a little bit of a 
like a temperature check or like a like a bit of a report on my subconscious of what's going on in there and kind of like just what the state of affairs is and I predominantly dream about social connections and relationships like I don't have a lot of otherworldly like like fantasy island kind of settings like they're usually in a world I recognize with people I recognize with feelings I recognize in this case even though there was a strangeness of my dead body and myself still being there that was right behind my house in a hammock like it was it was quite landed here and so this imagery of being one I I wasn't annihilated I was I was observing this phenomena of something of me having died and that feels like really accurate to what was happening in my psyche of still existing and being able to watch this process of my own grief and my own death and that that was being held in a cocoon and it was accurate to the time where I didn't yet I didn't know what to do next I didn't know how to digest further these dead parts and I felt like the dream was saying it's okay you've got options and just wait you'll know what to do now a few months later I'd say like maybe a month or two I quite, let's say, out of the blue, got uh, a message from one of the people I used to live with who was asking if he could arrange to get some of my things back to me. And I'd, I'd given up on the remnants of the physical items I'd left in my previous home. I thought that I'd gotten all the vital stuff and it was too dramatic to try and get the rest of it. So I'd kind of let go. But when he reached out and it felt safe enough to make an arrangement uh, to get some of these things back. And this wasn't my previous partner, that was just a, a friend. And so it felt safe enough to arrange getting these things back. And so there was a bit of messaging back and forth and he rounded up the things that I wanted and kindly delivered them to a like a drop point and then a few days later I went and picked them up and to my surprise in the crate of things which were collected from this fort I had made and the fort was the, f- the best express it was like this outdoor creative space where I was just myself I just put things where I wanted and I it was like the the flowering of me and I think building that fort is part of what saved me it's part of what was the thread that called me almost like called me away that was it's like the thread of life that kept me completely from losing grip uh and there was physical stuff left there and he rounded it up and put it in a crate and a few days later I got the crate and there's like some broken pottery there was an old wool sweater there was some crystals there was some beads 
there were some random lampshades that I'd hung in the trees. Like, to anybody else, it would have looked like junk. But to me, it was really, really significantly chosen items that had gone through now two winter, no, one winter, anyways, over a year outside exposed to the elements, which was part of what I was enjoying about the fort was that it was outside and I was aware that I was letting these things interact with nature and disintegrate and that was part of the point of the fort and I got the stuff and I was expecting to feel this huge wave of grief and turmoil and distress when I saw these things but in the crate was a wrapped up parachute fabric hammock and I saw it I was like oh my god I know what to do like oh my god I was given the clue to this a few months ago like I get to act out the dream and the hammock wasn't mine it hadn't been in the fort I don't know why they thought it was mine it had a different initial on it but it came back with the stuff and I took it as this gift to to that I, that I I knew what to do and I didn't feel distressed I felt the same way I'd felt in the dream of this sort of acceptance like okay we've got a dead body here now what are we gonna do so I took the hammock and the crate full of special things back to my house and I strung up the hammock near my tiny house in a similar spot to where it had been in the dream although the dream forgot to account for where the trees actually are so I hung the hammock up and I didn't know what to do with the stuff I wasn't sure what to keep and throw away and and so I put all the special things in the hammock I laid them out and including the sweater and an old hat and this pottery stuff and and then the hammock sort of closed in on it because there there wasn't that much stuff And what was eerie and amazing is that if you backed up a little bit and like walked down the driveway, it really looked like there was something, somebody in the hammock. It looked like there was this body there. There was just a lump laying in the hammock day in, day out, rain or shine. There was this something laying there. And I just let it sit there for, I don't remember now how long, be just a few days and then one day I would go out and I would know what to do with one piece I saw the pottery bit and I was like oh I know what to do with this I'm gonna make it into one of those amazing Japanese I forget the word pieces where the beauty is in the cracks and it's filled with gold except for I don't have gold filling and so I used gold nail polish and it worked okay and now it sits on my like altar shelf And then I would wait a few more days and be like, I don't know, what do I do next? Oh, I think I need to wash the sweater. And so I washed the sweater and I brought it inside and like a full entire arm of it was missing. And so I turned it into a vest and I took the pieces of the leftover arm and stitched them on the holes that the mice had chewed and made this repaired magical sweater vest that to me feels like that was like me digesting or eating 
the dead pieces and making it into something that now has become a part of me. I can wear it on my living flesh. Some other pieces I buried. Some rocks I just put in the ground. And some pieces I threw out. I was like, I don't need this old broken lampshade anymore. What is this doing? And it was gone. But the the dream had given me the ways to physically process this physical stuff from this death I'd experienced. And I remain in awe of this process of how my psyche can bring up in my sleep helpful more than metaphors like instructions about what to do and I don't have a clear answer on where that comes from feels like maybe soul or spirit or words that might start to answer that but it feels both bigger than me and part of me and and that I had the clues to my own healing to make this kind of private, strange ceremony to deal with these physical items. That that was a puzzle for me and and I was given a way to deal with it. So eventually everything in the hammock got dealt with, got either integrated or eaten or buried or thrown away. And and then I was done with the hammock. I, I have my own hammock that has a nice mosquito net bugging on top, and I didn't need this hammock that uh, had been mysteriously sent to me. So I gave it away, too. And when I tell this story, I feel... I just feel like, wow. Um... Yeah, grateful. And I think of a few other dreams that have been, um, yeah, significant, either in small ways, like just for a day or a week, or in larger ways. But I think this one is pretty high up there on the memorable, significant list for me so far in my life. And I hope that in hearing that, Yeah, you hear some possibilities of how to work with your dreams. I think that, I've I've mentioned this before, but I I like to say the the dream world and the waking world or waking life instead of like real world and uh, like the fake world of the, of like didn't really happen in the dreams. Um, Because I think our experience of dreams is part of our, our real experience, part of this amazing part of our human experience. And to bring to bring something of those uh, sleeping experiences or revelations into our waking life, more than just writing it down, maybe not even writing it down, and but to honor it somehow, just enact a little bit of it, feels feels really good to me. It feels like I'm saying to my subconscious and my spirit, whatever is going on in there, I care about you, I'm listening. And that that fosters that sort of relationship of of trust and of like, 
being helpful. Like, I really like that my my dreams are, are, are usually helpful. Helpful in what they... To just the update of what's going on. And so by honoring them somehow, I think I help to build that relationship. So I'm curious if if you've had significant dreams that have helped in your waking life, um, if you would like the opportunity to share them, feel free to get in touch and tell me about them. And I'm also, oh, the last part I want to share is that um, is a tidbit about helping each other with our dream interpretation or understanding. Um, I feel like dreams are best interpreted by the person who had them, who has their own lexicon of meaning and experiences, and that mostly the person who dreamt it is the best one to guess, not even guess, to know what it means. Like, it means what it feels like it means to them. (laughs) Like, that's how I understand it. I mean, yeah, it's their experience and their brain that made it up, or received it, however you want to put it. So... So they know what's going on in it. If they feel that this means that, it does. Like, we don't we don't need to um, impose something. There might be clues from sort of a zeitgeist perspective of reoccurring symbols. But all of those are like in, you know, they filter through our own experience. If you've had a great experience with a dog, maybe dogs are like compa- mean companion. If you've had a terrible experience with a dog, dogs probably mean fear. Like, it's not like you could say dogs mean this across the board. Um, so a reminder that like the person who has the dream is the best person to interpret it. And yet sometimes we want to run them by somebody else and kind of chew them through a larger dialogue. And one of the tidbits I've learned from group dream work of wanting to sort of draw out more understanding is that if you are ever offering a suggestion of meaning about somebody else's dream the the example is to is to always frame it with if this were my dream I think it would mean and and to put that caveat there instead of saying it means this but to, you're, you're always offering what you would imagine it would mean, and it's coming from your framing. And if you offer it that way, if this were my dream, I think it would mean. It allows the person to take it or leave it, and, and they can be like, yeah, that, that could be if it was your dream, but it's my dream. And so I don't think that's the case. I remember telling my counselor another dream where... Sometimes I get these pleasant warning dreams. Like if I, if I have a puzzle I'm trying to work out, then um, so there's, I'll get a, a a warning dream, and often it won't be the, the person. That I'm puzzling over. It's the dream doesn't have them in it. It has a previous character in it, who, I know is a danger signal. And I think the reason that this happens for me is that sometimes the the current one I'm in, I haven't like, cl- it's not clear. That's why I'm muddied in it. And so the dream brings me a past character, like more like a black and white symbol 
it'll bring a person where like I've clearly decided that's danger so the dream brings them in and I have a scenario with them and I wake up and I'm like oh okay so there's something dangerous here for me does that make sense so it's sometimes not the I'm not dreaming the person themselves I'm just dreaming a feeling of danger and again it's like a temperature on my on my psyche of like okay something somewhere in here I know that I need to be cautious and sometimes I'll have the other one where I'll I'll have a beautiful dream of connection or of understanding and then I'm like wow okay I actually know that there's something beautiful here maybe it's muddied by what's happening in waking life but somewhere I know that there's a deep connection and I go through the next day a bit more open-hearted yeah so thanks for listening thanks for listening to the dream of my dead body and the cocoon and how I enacted that I hope it was helpful to hear and if you'd like to get in touch and give me any reflections on this one or previous episodes I love hearing from you guys and if you are somewhat new to listening to this I'd love to know who you are and where you're listening from and yeah just knowing who hears these stories um, helps me feel like I'm connecting with real people on the other side and there's two main ways to do that you can go to the podcast website which is magicforrealists.ca and send me a message there also you can find out there how to tangibly clap or cheer through becoming a patreon supporter of this podcast and the other way is through instagram my instagram handle is at magic for realists pretty simple and I will put a picture on there of, uh, actually on both the Patreon and the Instagram of the, the sweater vest that I was talking about today of that integration piece. Um, a part of that dead body chewed and worn again and transformed from that hammock cocoon. And until next time, I hope that in your waking life, in your dream world, you experience some magic and that it's helpful on your journey. Bye for now.